We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Uh, coming at you on a Wednesday, uh, middle of a week in which the the Knicks, I was about to say the Bulls, because I just got done talking about the Bulls for 45 minutes. Um, the Knicks are about to play the Bulls a second time, so uh, we are... Uh, doing a little bit of a Bulls-centric podcast today. Um, I had on the host of uh, Blue Wire's Bulls podcast, um, Mark Karantzoulis. He joined me all the way from Melbourne, Australia. It was uh, very kind of him to join me early in the AM over there um, as we recorded this on a Tuesday night. Um, and uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, he's the host of the Bulls HQ pod and we got into a lot of stuff. We talked about Zach Levine a lot. What possibilities may exist there between the two teams? Um, spoiler alert. He, he uh, is not fond of the idea of trading Zach Levine. Um, and uh, yeah, we talk about the, the last game and Tibbs and Derek Rose and little Lori Markinen and some other things, parallels between the two teams, between the two organizations. Uh, really fun conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, other than that, there's not, I always like to save doing the intros, um, you know, for like later after I record my interviews, you know, when I, when I do these things midweek, because I'm like, ah, you never know what news is going to pop or anything of that nature. Um, there's really not much going on right now in the NBA other than, um, the games themselves, which I guess is kind of refreshing. Uh, Emmanuel quickly did not win rookie of the month, uh, for the Eastern conference that went to LaMelo ball. 
Um, whereas Tyrese Halliburton went uh, or won for the Kings. So uh, that's just wonderful. Uh, George Hill is out for four weeks. Uh, he's been with the Thunder. I know some Nick fans were talking about, hey, maybe we get George Hill on the cheap to be a starting point guard. This probably does away with the uh, the possibility of that. Um, I think that's really about it. Um, the Knicks are just going to keep chugging along playing games. I, I will say this though. I, I didn't, I didn't really get into it on the, on the post game the other night, but I, I think, and Julius Randle, as I mentioned on this pod said it after the game, this kind of feels like the Knicks have to win this. It's, uh, you know, it, it, listen, there's never such a thing as a must win game unless it's a, a game seven in a playoffs or something. But like, you know, we've we've been around this block before, and I know we all, um, I at least want to believe that we are, you know, invulnerable to some kind of a losing streak that basically turns the season from meaningful into uh, meaningless. But it happens. It happens to good teams. It happens to well-coached teams. It happens to teams that have talent. Um, and we've, again, we've seen it happen here before teams that have started off hot and then they fall by the wayside and then things deteriorate from there. And, you know, look, regardless of if you think they ultimately need to be in the running for Cade by the end of this year, um, I think everybody would agree that it is good for the organization to stay in this thing for a while. And there is as much parity in the NBA right now. Um, because of the unique circumstances of this season with the pandemic and no fans and guys being out and all of this other stuff. There's so much parity that there is a world that the Knicks can, st- and I, me and Jeremy kind of t- touched on this. The, the Knicks could stay in this for another month, two months, you know, three, even more than that. And then if they fall out of it in the end, they're still going to be in a pretty good position to, uh, to get a nice traffic. Personally, I'd rather see them actually make the playoffs uh, because I think that would that's the more important thing for the for the franchise at this time. I think it would mean a lot, but we don't need to you know dwell on that. But the, here's the point. They're not going to have the option to do either of those things if they go on a losing streak now. And then it just becomes something that, I, you know, is really not much fun when you're spending two plus months merely thinking about lottery balls and then you get to lotto night and you go in with like the third or fourth best odds and all of a sudden you're sitting there at the end of the night with the sixth pick or seventh pick like imagine how that would feel for all the people out there who are like the Knicks need to trade Julius Randle they need to you know uh, go all in on the tank like there are a few really bad teams out there the Wolves are terrible the Pistons are not good um I'm forgetting one team. The the Wizards are not good. Like, yeah, those teams might rebound a little bit, but like you have some other teams that are in in a a good, like the the Pelicans. If the Pelicans wanted to tank, they're in a good spot to do so. I don't think they will, but like, so you're going to have those, whether it's one, two, three teams below you in the standings. I would say at least three, no matter what you do from here, if you're the Knicks. And so all of a sudden you go into lottery night and you have the fourth best odds, the fifth best odds, something like that. There's like a, you know, I don't need to say what the math is, but there's a very, very, very good shot that you're not going to walk out of there with a top five pick. And the notion that this season could turn from 
this incredibly promising thing where like the organization's feeling good again. They're like good vibes, good culture, maybe building something. The young guys are like contributing to winning and all that shit. And then to go back to that with like a significant possibility, you come out of the lottery with not even one of these top five picks. It's just like, I don't want to do that. This doesn't make any sense. Um, so all this is to say, uh, I really hope they win this game tonight because nine and 14, you know, you're, you're on that slippery slope. You're, you've taken a step off of the top. Um, and I don't think they have yet, but I think it, couple more losses would would get them there so let's let's go ahead and not have those couple of more losses let's win this bulls game um and then enter the weekend strong maybe get a win this weekend uh they have some other winnable games coming up so yeah that is it um and uh i think i said what i had to say so with nothing else from me i will move on to my podcast interview with mark karenzoulis of the bulls HQ pod, and I hope you enjoy. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, he is a podcaster, much like myself, um, of the Bulls. Um, so perfect timing as the Knicks just played a game against the Bulls. They are going to play another game against the Bulls. The first time the Knicks have played back-to-back games against uh, the same opponent this year. Um, you can hear his takes on the Bulls HQ pod uh, another uh, proud member of the the Blue Wire podcast network, which we are now um, happy to say that we are a part of that family. Um, welcome to the show, Mark Garanzoulis. How you doing, Mark? Good, Jonathan. I'm happy to be on, mate. Um, haven't been on a Knicks podcast before, but obviously happy to talk Bulls Knicks. Um, but as a side piece, yeah, welcome to the uh, to the Blue Wire Network, mate. That's cool as. Thank you. And um, anytime I could do a podcast where somebody calls me mate, um, it's a good day for me. Uh, so, so thank you for that. I, I don't have a ton of guests. I think it's just, uh, man, it might just be Jack with the Strickland, I think. Anyway. Um, so thank you for that. It's, it's about the warmest welcome that I, I could foresee getting. Um, yeah, so you're, you're, uh, down in Melbourne. So thank you again for doing this. It's 9am by you. Um, I guess let's just, you know, we'll get right into it. Um, before we get into the Levine stuff, which I know everybody wants to really hear about, and we'll touch on Tibbs and Rose and everything, uh, you just watched this game like I did. So what are your – I'm always curious to get outside perspectives of the Knicks from from people who don't live and die with them every day. So what, what do you think of the team after just watching them? Well, to be fair, I haven't watched much Knicks basketball over the last few years, to be honest with you. But, um, you ain't missing have- much. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's why I haven't really tuned in, I suppose. But I have been watching this season a little bit when I can. I mean, my main focus is the Bulls, and that's where I spend probably 90, 95% of my time. But when I'm flicking around, looking at other games on lead pass and those sorts of things, I have been drawn to the Knicks for a couple of reasons. One, because of Tibbs and his connection, obviously, to, to my Bulls. And I mean, there's, there's some Bulls fans who maybe don't have such fond memories of Tom Thibodeau, but uh, I'm not one of them. I'm still a, a Tibbs fan, let's say. Um, so that's one element of it all. But the fact that the team has actually been competent, has been good, has been fun in times as well. Um, that's another reason why I've been drawn to watch more Knicks games than I have in the past. So it's actually been fun this season to see the Bulls and Knicks both sort of getting off of, off, off the canvas, let's say, and actually yeah. 
Well, I won't go back and say they're completely back to full relevancy yet because it's only about four weeks <laughs> into the season, a month into the season, but they look more competent at least. And yeah. they're, they're more fun and, and, and more fun for the fans who, for a number of years now, um, have, 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 have had to root for some pretty bad teams and, and, and some bad organizations. So I'm hoping for both teams that uh, it's better days ahead. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting because the two teams, I think, in a lot of ways mirror each other. If you go back over the last um, 35 years, other than um, the fact that one team has six championships and the other team has uh, zero championships. <laughs> but I mean, no, if you think about it, we, you know, both organizations drafted a transcendent player in the early eighties yep. um, mm-hmm. were, you know, two of the top, whatever, four or five forces to be reckoned with in the league over the course of the nineties. And then for most of the last 20 years have been somewhere between irrelevant and um, embarrassing with the exception of one stretch of time in the middle of the last two decades. Again, you guys better than us. The, the Tibbs regime was, was longer and the height, the heights were higher. You made it to an Eastern conference finals, one Eastern conference finals, right? I'm not forgetting one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Just the one. And then, you know, we, we didn't make it quite that far, but you know, and now here they are with, Two new regimes, two new coaches who are universally respected around the league, um, even if people do have their their qualms about them. Um, so it's kind of funny that we do find ourselves in this in this spot. Um, I thought it was a good game, by the way, the other night. It was the most frustrating Knicks game of the season for me because I don't know. I mean, it, that's what that was the other thing I'm curious. Just just off of that game, what did you think of the performance that the Knicks put forth? Uh, well, look, I, like I said, I haven't watched every single Knicks game, but I felt like the Knicks should have probably won this game if, if they could actually create some offense in the half court. I mean, they couldn't buy a three-point shot and the Bulls were giving up a lot of three-point attempts or at least giving up the, the, the attempts that the Knicks got were some decent looks as well. But for whatever reason, the Knicks just couldn't make those shots. So I was actually thinking... Well, because the they're a bad being, shooting team. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, I didn't want to go that far. <laughs> you can listen. We're all, we're all friends here. Just, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the shots that the Bulls were giving up are shots that you don't necessarily want to give up. They were good, clean looks, but the Knicks just couldn't make it. So they were fortunate, the Bulls, in a sense, because there wasn't much going on beyond Larry Markkinen's offense for the first three quarters. Zach Levine wasn't doing much. Kobe White was just a complete train wreck. Um, so there was, there, yeah, there, there was a lane there for the Knicks to really win this game, I suppose, if they could just score in the half court. But the offense in the half court looked so bad at times that it just allowed the Bulls to stay in it. And then surprisingly, the Bulls, I don't know why or how, because I'm not used to seeing it, but they actually closed in the clutch for a change. So I'm not used to seeing that. But um yeah, it was an interesting game. I felt like the Knicks probably should have won it, to be honest with you, if they just had a little bit better offense. But to your point, um, the offense, has, as it's been the case most of the season, I think they're bottom five in offensive rating, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, it's just tough to watch maybe in the half court. It's, you know, like Tibbs, as I'm sure you remember, um, is just, a, he's all about like, is it the right play, right? Did you make the right play? And I think his issues with that game um came in the first and third quarters when the Knicks were just kind of like, they weren't late. It's not like they lacked energy on defense, but they were, just, I don't know. What would you call it? They were a little sluggish on defense. Like there was a, there was a zip of verve missing. And then by the time we, we finally, they figured out how to shut the bulls offense down. They were doing a little bit more of that trapping and, or whatever you want to call it with, with Noel coming up high. Um, 
you know, they couldn't, they couldn't get that big bucket. So yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, fortunate for you guys though. And listen, in, in, if we're, if we're dealing with like general karma, if any team deserved a win after the previous game that you guys had in Portland, I think it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the Bulls. That was, that was a tough loss, but at the same time, like when, when Lillard hit that shot, I'll, I mean, a lot of Bulls fans had different reactions, but I was just laughing because it's just like, all right, it's you're going to lose like that. Like, you know, what, what are you meant to do? I'm not going to be angry. Like that was just yeah. an absurd shot. But yeah, I don't know. I felt like this was, could have been a Knicks win. Just, you know, maybe if RJ hits one more shot. If, it, he if, had a couple maybe, chances. Yeah. Yeah. If quickly maybe hits one more three or Austin Rivers or Alec Burks. I mean, Alec Burks hit a tough three towards the end of the game anyway. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it just felt like they were just one or two shots short of maybe getting the win and uh, it was kind of frustrating from that point of view from the Bulls because it really was only Larry Markman at least in the first half and yeah. up until that third quarter really doing anything but to your point at once the Knicks sort of figured it out defensively and the Bulls have a, de- a tendency to maybe not necessarily reward the hot hand yeah. it felt like it was going to be a Knicks win but like I said randomly the Bulls figured it out well, last thing on on the game and, and just of your impressions on the team it's always difficult for me personally um, to fairly and accurately um, assess a new exciting player because there's just so much newness and so much excitement. Um, so like right now to me, Emmanuel quickly is, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to look for uh, hotel reservations in, you know, Springfield uh, for, I guess <laughs> uh, what, t- 2039 for yeah. the, for the hall of fame induction. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, we we think he's he's really good here. What do you have any any takeaways just from watching him from a from a game? He looks really good, man. I mean, he looks he looks really good. I don't ultimately know what his ideal role is, what his career yeah. scope will be, and those sorts of things. It's probably too too early to to go in from that point of view. But in terms of the value that you've got from him as a draft pick or as a, as a first year player, at least a, a rookie point of view, I mean, he looks like he, he looks the goods, I guess. And that, this is the type of player teams like the Bulls and Knicks sort of need to pick up on the periphery type thing. If you can, I mean, you, you're going to have your standard avenues of improving your team, but if you can still sure. find pieces with um, lesser assets, let's say, or uh, through other avenues, it just it just completely remodels a rebuild, let's say. So quickly looking this good has been a surprise to me, um, but a, a welcome surprise. He looks very good. He looked very good yesterday. I mean, like I said, he could have probably made one or two more shots, but at the same time, he hit that huge three towards the back end of the game as well. Yeah, it was pretty big. But I, th- I think Tibbs is actually a really good coach for him as well. Tibbs has had a lot of success with those sort of scoring guards, particularly those coming off the bench. So in that way, I know there's probably some Knicks fans who are probably frustrated that maybe Alfred Payton's starting, that maybe quickly is not playing enough minutes and those sorts of things. But to Just me, at least, base, <laughs> yeah, I've seen it on, on, on the uh, on the Twitter sphere, let's say. Five or six, yeah. Uh, yeah. But to me, I think it's he's coming along the right way and Tibbs is using him the wrong way, the right way, sorry. Yeah. And I, as we sort of get through the season, I would imagine the reliance on someone like quickly will just sort of increase. So yeah, he looks the goods and I think the Knicks found a player there for sure. Two guys that have been, I don't want to say in the news, um, but you know, two names that have been linked to the Knicks um, are over the last several weeks. And actually with Levine, it's been, well, actually no, with both players because a Derek Rose already played for the Knicks three or whatever <laughs> it was four years ago. And uh, I think Ian, Ian Begley, who we mentioned before uh, first dropped his first report about, you know, the Knicks and at the time the Nets keeping tabs on Levine. I don't know how many months ago it was. I felt like it was sometime early in the off season. Um, 
So not new news. And I don't even know if it's news. I mean, as, as Ian said, it's like, there's a lot of teams keeping tabs on a lot of guys and Levine's a name. So, you know, it gets out there. Um, everybody wants to hear about Levine. So let's just get into him. I, my, my take on this. Well, I think there's, there's two conversations. There's Levine, the player, which I want to save that for one second because and it's related. And there's Levine, the, the trade asset, if he is even a trade asset, which is where I kind of, am of the opinion that like, why are the bulls trading him unless it's a package that's too good to be true. And if you're a team like the Knicks or any other team for that matter, um, is Levine the guy you want to make the Godfather offer to? Um, So I guess I'll start off by asking, is there a world where you think trading Zach Levine would be wise for the bulls? And if so, what, what would that world look like? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I definitely have the opinion that the Bulls probably shouldn't trade Zach Levine, but he's also not good enough to to make or to deem untouchable, let's say. So I think there is a world where it is possible that he could be moved. I'm not sure if that makes sense to move him to the Knicks or the Nets, as sort of Ian Begley sort of alluded to um, in, a, in a column he wrote, I think, on the weekend at least or a few days ago. So, I mean, there is a world where Zach Levine could be traded for a, a good haul, let's say, particularly if the Bulls decided to maybe reboot the rebuild. But given that they're almost playing 500 basketball, I don't know if we're in that world right now. Um, for me, at least, I'm of the opinion that the growth that Zach Levine has showed this year is to the point where he's sort of playing at a top 30, top 40 player level. That's it? To, well, I actually, he, he may I be higher than that. Potentially, potentially. He could, he could be higher than that, but uh, maybe I'm being a little conservative because I want to see a little bit more uh, more of a sample of this, let's say. Well, what are, your, same- what are your critiques of his game this year? Because I'm, I'm, I think this is what a lot of people are really curious about. The perception is that he's a poor defender and he sometimes makes poor decisions. Is that, yeah. is that still hold water? It's still, it's still true. Those, those still, I mean, those elements of his games are still problematic at times. They've definitely improved to a degree. And this, but there, I mean, there's still problems, but the fact that he's the rest of his offensive game is just sort of stepped up to the next level. Like I'm not super concerned with those elements of his game, but I mean, it's to be fair and, and, and to critiquing fairly, but they are still problem areas that he needs to work on. But I mean, he's, he's grown so much this season and he's been so damn good. I mean, he's almost a 50, 40, 90 guy this season, averaging close to 27, 28 points per game. I mean, he's just an offensive maestro at this point. So He's 26 next month. I'm of the opinion that I don't want to go through the Jimmy Butler scenario again, where you trade a good yeah. player, a, a guy who's not, you know, he's not, he's not Jimmy Butler. He's not that good, but he's at least, you know, emerging as a potential all-star type player. I don't want to trade that player and sort of go into another reboot of the rebuild, let's say, but I don't know, maybe things go haywire from here on out. Maybe the Bulls just lose their next 10 games. Maybe Levine for whatever reason just doesn't look great. And the the new regime here in Chicago decides to, maybe reboot that rebuild with, you know, the 2021 draft looking pretty strong. Maybe maybe that's a scenario um, where Zach Levine is maybe traded at that point. But personally, I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling to see that scenario emerging at this point. I, I wouldn't want to see that. And I'd rather see them sort of maybe not build around Zach Levine, but try to build with Zach Levine and, and add another piece or two around him and try to try to be a respectable 45-50 win team or like a Portland, Portland East, let's say. I'm happy you made a, a small distinction there because I feel like a lot of times there's a perception that like, 
oh, we can't build around this player. Well, you may not need to build around this player. You may just have to build with this player. And there's like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of lanes to team building and we're kind of dealing with the same thing here right now, where I think most Nick fans are thinking like you in terms of Julius Randle, like, yeah, there's a segment of Nick fans who are like, trade him, let's tank, get a, a haul of assets and we'll worsen our position or, or increase our position for the draft. But I think most people are like you, Let, like, let's just ride this thing out and try to get good, especially how bad thing, given how bad things have been mm. for yeah. a while. Um, which is why I think if they, you know, for Julius Randall, I think if any team came calling for him, not that I necessarily think they are, but like, I would, I would hope the Knicks would ask for a haul and a half. Um, so, I feel like there's always a conversation around Levine as far as, okay, what role does he play on a good team? Um, And even that conversation, I feel like is a little bit fraught because there's things like, oh, well, he can, he can't be the leading scorer. Well, just because you're not the most important player doesn't mean you may not still be the leading scorer. Like, where do you, where do you see him fitting in? Let's just hypothetically speaking, the next great bulls team. Yeah, I, th- I think that's p- kind of the problem as well. And part of the reason why some of the fan base want to trade Levine is the fact that they don't view him as a number one guy. And to be fair, I mean, that is that is fair. I mean, he's not a the best player on, on, a, on, a, on a legitimate team. That, that's not his role. He's miscast in Chicago as the number one option. And for that reason, a lot of team, a lot of fans want to trade him. They don't want to necessarily pay him his max deal, which is very similar to the arguments that were being made four or five years ago with Jimmy Butler. So... It is sort of history repeating for us at the moment. But to answer your question, I mean, his best role, he may not be the the best player on the team. He may not even be the second best player on the team, but he may be the second best offensive player on the team to the point where I think if if you put him next to a natural creator, someone who can run the offense and just allow Zach to sort of be that secondary creator, um, to focus on his scoring, to focus on what he does well, then I think he the narrative around Levine, the perception about Zach Levine would be completely different. I mean, I think about someone like Jamal Murray and the, mm. you know, the, how lucky he has been in a sense to be put next to someone like Nikola Jokic yeah. rather than just being put on a team like the Bulls or the Knicks where you're sort of, you're forced to being that, that sole creator, that lead creator, and maybe you're less efficient. Maybe you're more exposed as an offensive player, but playing in Denver next to someone like Jokic, where you can just do your thing and be that scoring guard and secondary creator, the perception of you as a player is completely different. And it's, it's similar for someone like Donovan Mitchell as well. Like you get drafted into a team like Utah, who's not tanking necessarily. You've got good vets all around you. Mm -hmm. You come in and winning straight away. Again, that perception of you is very different compared to someone like Zach, who has just been on crappy teams ever since he's entered the league. The perception of him is still negative by a lot of people. He's, he's fighting against that. I, I just wonder if he had been put into a different situation a lot earlier, if the, uh, the, the perception of him as a player, the narrative around him as a player would be completely different. So um, put him next to an, a Jokic, put him with LeBron, put him with Luka Doncic. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's talked, yeah. about, who's talked a lot differently, let's say. I was about to say, you make it's such a subtle point that I think when we think about and talk about, not to go off on a tangent, I apologize for this, but when we think about and talk about like great players in this league, it's what makes the, and I think you named the three, and I'm trying to think if there's another one, Jokic, LeBron, Luka, who 
not only are they great individually, but they will amplify the talents of essentially anyone you put next to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I get Curry. Curry's an obvious one. I forgot him. Duh. Chris Paul. Um, I mean, that was my big thing in the offseason. Oh, yeah, I wanted the sure. Bulls to trade for Chris Paul and do what the Suns did. So yeah. I thought he would have been great for, for Zach Levine. But, Durant, um, in fairness, Durant has yeah. to go in that conversation. Um, I yeah. think that's, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. And maybe we get some young guys that like eventually um, get to that point. And I guess Dame, out of respect, um, we should, should probably go in there too. Um, you know, but even him, he's a guy who he wants to have the ball. And he he's, he's it's, I, I feel like that's maybe why Portland has never gotten to that next level. And that's not a knock on Dame. It's just like, these, this is like the rarest of, of air. So I completely agree with you. Um, and I think the nice thing about for you guys is I think it's easier to find I think it's easier to turn Levine into that piece than it may be for to turn Randall into that piece because Levine is such a deadly shooter and can do like, he's a, does he still cut a lot? I remember he used to cut a lot and like get opportune baskets that way too. Yeah. So again, like coming back to like the whole perception of Zach, like he's, he's a willing cutter. He, he He's really good off the ball. He moves off the ball. He's more than happy to share the offensive load. The, the, the issue in Chicago has been, there's just hasn't been someone to justify him going off ball. Um, he, I mean, we don't have really another offensive threat like him on the perimeter. So why would you put Zach Levine off ball and in years past allow Chris Dunn just to pound the ball, let's say. So it never really made sense. So to that point and what we're discussing here, if you had a, an actual offensive hub running the thing, you could have Zach sort of be in that more off ball role where he would just be absolutely lethal. I mean, a lot of his three-point attempts in Chicago come off the bounce because he's just on the ball so much. But yeah. if he was with a, another equal talent or even a better talent offensively, he could sort of play off ball and just run around like maybe like a Clay Thompson or a Bradley Beal or someone like that. And he would just be even more lethal as an offensive player. So, uh... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To me, I think he's a, he's a fantastic player. And um, it, it's, it's probably easier to build around him than someone like Julius Randle just due to the fact that he's a wing or a guard, whereas yeah. Randle is a big. Yeah. I mean, that, irrespective of how good or bad Randle is, and even if Randle and Levine are equal talents, let's say, the fact that the, the position... The positional thing is something to consider I'm, as well, but um, I'm yeah. I'm grappling with that actively on a daily basis right now. Like, how good of a passer can Julius Randle be? Because he's not he's not Jokic, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I threw out in a, a newsletter I wrote uh, today, like, um, you know, comparing him to the early early 2000s Chris Webber, but that's even probably too lofty praise because that dude could he could run an offense by himself. Derek Rose um, feels like it's been forever since he's been in Chicago. 
hell, it feels yeah. like it's been forever since he's been in, in New York. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I mean, I don't know what there is to say about Derek Rose, the player at this point. Um, he is, I mean, he is what he is, right? It, like it's, does he remind, when you watch him now, does he remind you anything of the guy that was in Chicago or yeah. maybe I should say pre-injury uh, or, or, or let me ask you, is there a difference for you? Uh, pre-injury, most definitely not. It is, is nowhere near that. But in terms of the, the Derek Rose that we got post all the knee injuries, uh, I thought he's maybe not this season, but maybe the season before and maybe even before that when he was in Minnesota, he looked better than what he did in Chicago because I think he's okay. still trying to find himself post-ACL, post uh, all the other knee injuries that he's had. Um, you know, what would his, how, how would he evolve in the NBA after those sorts of injuries where all those powers that he did have all had suddenly been sapped type thing. So we had a very inefficient Derek Rose when he came back post all those sort of knee injuries. He had some big moments here and there, but ultimately he, he didn't look that great, let's say. Whereas he's, I, I think he sort of found his, he found himself as that sort of six man role where he could sort of just come in and, and be what he, what he was in Minnesota and, and Detroit where I feel like his experience in Chicago or maybe even New York to a degree after the, after obviously the Bulls traded him to New York, both teams probably didn't get the best version of the new Derek Rose, if that makes sense. So I could understand why maybe the perception of Derek Rose to New York now may be met with some um, trepidation by some Knicks fans, let's say. Um, I know a lot of Bulls fans would love to have Derek, Derek Rose back just, just due to the fact that he's a Chicago guy, but um yeah, it's an interesting rumor, no, no less, given yeah. the, uh, the Thibodeau factor. I, I was about to ask because, like, you know, that came out, and yeah. my goodness, you would have thought that uh, <laughs> that Reggie Miller was going to come out of retirement and play for the Knicks. The way, and, and here's the thing, I get it because watching Derrick Rose, that I mean, no offense to him, but that was a tough year, and yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, sure. the A Wall incident didn't didn't really help, and just like there was there was an air of like. I don't know. He was he wasn't bought in, but then again, nobody was bought in that year because it was a friggin' disaster. We don't need to talk about that. Um, it, so it sounds like though there are still fond memories of him in in Chicago with 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 Bulls fans. I, does that just have to do with the fact that he won an MVP there and like obviously took them to an Eastern Conference Finals, or because like I guess that that's the part I'm struggling with. He we didn't get a version of him where people felt like, oh, this is a good teammate. This is a guy you want in your locker room. This is a guy who, you know, he brings it every night. Like we didn't, I know I did not come away with that impression from the year he was here. Maybe that's because he was going through some shit. Like you said, still kind of figuring out who he was. Is there, are there good vibes still for, for him in Chicago? In Chicago? Yes. I mean, I, I'm obviously not on the ground in Chicago, um, maybe removed from it. So that maybe I'm, I have less emotional ties to it, but from, from the, the people that I deal with, the people that I speak to, a lot of people obviously would like to see Derek come back and sort of retireable. I mean, every, every time some of those bulls from that sort of 2010 to 2014 era um, are available or maybe even retiring, like former Nick Joe Noah, current Nick Taj Gibson. I mean, there's, there's been a few <laughs> that have sort of crossed over the lines over to New York. We love Taj. We love Taj. Yeah, I mean, Taj is one of my all-timers. But every time those sorts of guys are sort of seemingly to the back end of their career, we always want them to come back and retire as a bull, I guess. And the fact that, you know, Derek being Derek and he he being a former MVP, the youngest MVP, a former Chicago bull, a Chicago kid, let's say, um, there's, there's always going to be a large contingent of people that want to see Derek Rose come back. But at the same time, I completely understand why Knicks fans would have some reservations about Derek coming back to the Knicks, uh, given your exposure to Derek. And like we sort of 
like we sort of spoke about. Like, I mean, he's trying to find himself on the court, but yeah, to your point, he's probably going on. I, I completely forgot about that situation where yeah. he just went missing for whatever reason. Um, so clearly there was mental stuff going on there as well that he just needed to get right. So I understand why, again, there'd be some trepidation. And I don't know if the Knicks really need Derek Rose at this point. I mean, you've got quickly coming off the bench. You've got Austin Rivers as that sort of combo scoring type guard off the bench. I, my I mean, my guess really is they would him? start him that and, and 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 tell Peyton to go. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's w- it. Keep keep walking until we tell you to turn around. But yeah. That's what they're gonna do. They're gonna put a blindfold on Alfred Peyton and say, "Take uh, one thousand paces." Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but I I actually I agree with you. I don't think the Knicks need Derrick Rose, but they need someone better than Alfred Payton. But again, different conversation for a different day. Um, let's talk about Tibbs real quick, and and then I'll get you out of here. Um, it's funny. From afar, I always remember, like, you know, listening to people talk about him who, I guess, cover the Bulls or rooted for the Bulls or whatever, and just people around the league, and opinions were so divisive. And I would look at the results, and I'd be like, how in God's name could anybody not love this? I mean, yeah. he with he's doing what he's doing with what he's doing it with. And then Minnesota happened, and we don't need to talk about Minnesota because I think there was a lot going on in that place. And I think, if, you know, I know you probably heard Andrew Wiggins' comments last week about, um, you know, the Timberwolves organization, and, and he singled yeah. out Tibbs as being a, a positive force. And now he's here, and I'm ready to build a statue for the man. And I know a lot of <laughs> Nick fans are ready to build a statue to the man. And that yet there are other people being like, he's ruining everything. You know, Kevin Knox is out of the rotation. Frank Nilakin is out of the rotation. Um He's also playing R.J. Barrett and Manuel quickly a ton. Mitchell Robinson, he's playing a lot also. So I, it's I don't know. What are your what are your what are your impressions of, of Tibbs as having watched and you know covered him for as long as you did? Yeah, I mean to me, it's, it's still the same old Tibbs, and I, I say that in in both good and bad terms. I mean the things that and this will sound extremely cliche, but his biggest strengths are also his weaknesses, and I mm. I still see that to this point. I mean. It, what he does well is he, he will lift the baseline of this team. And, and that's why we're seeing the Knicks being so competitive at this point. I mean, you're, what, you're 9-13 or whatever the record is at this point, close-ish to 500, were there not that long ago. But he just extracts the best out of pretty much everyone. I, I don't understand, at least from my vantage point, I mean, I have no investment in someone like Kevin Knox, Frank Nielakina, maybe even Dennis Smith Jr., maybe a couple others here and there. So... I don't really care too much about that. And I don't even know if the current re- Knicks regime care about them because they're not necessarily the like, current regime draft picks, I'd say. Yeah. So is, is it tips not playing them or is it, I don't know, is it, is it the current regime maybe not being too invested at them and not necessarily caring if he's not playing them? But I, I see a lot of the same Thibodeau and I see in the Knicks a classic Thibodeau team. I mean, I've talked about, you know, quickly being that off-the-bench scoring sort of guard. And then we saw a lot of that in Chicago with Nate Robinson, DJ Augustine, even someone like John Lucas, who probably shouldn't even be in the NBA. Tibbs just has a way of <laughs> yeah. finding something with those scoring guards off the bench and just making yeah. them look quite good. Julius Randle as that sort of point forward is very reminiscent of Joakim Noah back in 2014, the yeah. way you're sort of running the offense through him. No, that's a good call. I didn't even think of that. That's really good. Yeah, so, I mean, this uh, – Mitch Robinson, I mean – to me, at least from my vantage point, he can be up and down, but he he's a player that should excel with Tom Thibodeau. I'm, I'm not surprised that someone like uh, Austin Rivens and, and uh, Nerlens Noel having okay-ish seasons or at least tip Tom Thibodeau type players. So from that point of view, the fact that he just lifts the baseline of the team, makes them competent, will get them to compete. 
The Knicks actually being a, an above average defense, a top 10 defense, I mean, that in itself should be enough it's to absurd. build a statue of the man. No, <laughs> like, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. They were, what were they? Were 24th, 25th last year? I mean, it's and it's the same. It's essentially the same personnel. So Exactly. Know. And we feel very similarly about Billy Donovan right now in Chicago because the Bulls are a, a top. Well, I think they're 15th in the NBA in, at this point in offensive rating, whereas last season, if we weren't 30th, we were 29th. So, and again, with the same yeah. personnel. So it's very similar situations going back to what you sort of, sort of said at the top of the podcast. There are parallels to the point where, you know, you're maybe not getting in the best NBA coach. You're getting in a flawed NBA coach, a coach who probably is only good for maybe three to four seasons and eventually will run his time. But during that time period, he will build your team back up to some sort of respectability. There will be flaws there. There will be problems that you have. Obviously, the minutes will be uh, a thing that continues to um, to stay with Tibbs and maybe the fact that he leans on some veterans at times. But, I mean, I've always laughed at the, the notion that the guy never plays his rookies or never plays young guys because he always did that in Chicago, assuming those young guys were prepared to play and were actually good enough to play. Well, that- I mean... Yeah, there was games where he was closing games with a rookie, not a, not a rookie Taj Gibson, but a second-year second Taj, Taj Gibson. Second-year Taj Gibson. Isn't that and, the and year a, he led the NBA in four-quarter minutes? I think one of those yeah, years I mean, when he was coming off the bench, he did. There would be games where he would bench Joakim Noah and, and, and Carlos Boozer and close games with Amir Rashik and Taj Gibson, two youngish guys. Hmm. Jimmy Butler didn't necessarily play his first season, but he, he emerged under Tom Thibodeau. Obviously, Derek and Joakim Noah yeah. and some of these young, younger guys sort of emerged under Tibbs. So if you can play and you can play defense, you will play for Tom Thibodeau. Uh, so I've always that, that's always annoyed me. But um, look, I'm, I'm a Tibbs fan. I'll, 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 I'm happy to see him sort of having this bounce back, particularly how poorly things sort of ended for him in Minnesota. But um, I, I, I think uh, Knicks fans should be loving the, the, the Thibodeau era, uh, flaws and all. Um, listen, I, no one's perfect. Right. Um, and you know, far be it from any, any, any person in our position to, um, you know, fault someone in a position like Tibbs or Billy Donovan, maybe we could fault Jim Boylan and David Fisdale. That's another thing we have in common. We had the worst (laughs) coaches. That is true. Yeah. (laughs) Start that season. Um, Oh, those are good times. Uh, <laughs> do you guys still have the leadership council? What is what was that? The no, uh, yeah, the council or committee. I can't remember, but it was, it was some sort of ridiculous <laughs> thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. that's that's long gone. That's gone with Boylan, thankfully. But uh, yeah, another parallel between the two organizations: like bad regimes yeah. and bad ownership, allowing uh, you know the, these sorts of things to fester for too long. And uh, thankfully. Yeah. Um, it's changed and hopefully it's the, uh, the dawning of a, a brighter day for both teams. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, last thing before I get you out of here, um, man, I, I got to do another one of these because I want to talk about Patrick Williams. But we'll, we'll do that another time. I'm, I'm very high on Patrick Williams and I, <laughs> he, he looked pretty good in limited, limited uh, good. usage last night, but I'm impressed. Um, is there, is there, because in here in New York, we're always thinking, okay, what's next? Who's the next guy we could get? Do we need to tank to get the guy? Whatever it is. What, what is the next thing that you think the Bulls need to do or you would like to see the Bulls do, you know, over the next, whatever, six months, year, 18 months that you, that you think, okay, maybe they're, do you, or do you think it's going to be multiple big moves or do you think maybe they're like one big move and some internal development away? Like, you know, what, what lies ahead? 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables here at play, for, uh, specifically for the Bulls. I mean, previously coming into this season, I thought maybe free agency may be a, a relevant point to consider for the Bulls. If, if the team could maybe get to some level of respectability, maybe they could attract a free agent. But with so many of the guys that were meant to be free agents signing extensions, the, the free agency market doesn't look that great for the Bulls at this at this point. Um, so I don't really know if that's an option. They've got... They got a decision looming on Larry Markinen and, and to a lesser degree Zach yeah. Levine, like we sort of spoke about. I didn't, I didn't um, ask so, about Laurie. Do you, you, you want? Do you want to give Larry the bag? Definitely not the bag. Definitely not the bag. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very cautious of what he's doing at the moment. He's he's gone through these hot streaks before, and uh, you know he's had samples of ten to fifteen games where he's looked like this level of player. And for whatever reason, he just gets up against the Knicks for for whatever reason. He's always been good against the Knicks. So I'm. Well, I'm cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, very wary of giving Larry Markin and his next his next contract based on what I've seen. You know, a very inconsistent player, let's say a strict shooter. So that's going to be an interesting situation. But the time is ticking. There, they can offer Zach an extension this off season. Whether they feel he's worth that next level player, I mean, we already spoke about that. But they're, they're kind of at the crossroads at this point. This rebuild has been going for three, four years, so they have to start making decisions and. From my vantage point, I'd probably rather them not play the draft game anymore, unless you know. Some, you know, best case scenario is you sort of compete for the playing tournament. Maybe you don't necessarily get in there. Maybe even you do. Maybe you finish with the tenth or eleventh worst record, but you jump into the top four top and top you, four. You, you you get a play like that rather than selling off pieces and going in well, on was Derek your Rose. tank. You had the what was it the eighth or ninth? Uh, yeah, I think it was the ninth thing? best odds at that yeah. point, one point seven percent chance. So <laughs> I'm obviously not suggesting we uh, repeat <laughs> that sort of um, situation, but with the odds being flattened, I mean there is more scope for that happening. We saw last, I mean even the Bulls jumped up from eighth, I think last season to yeah. to fourth yeah. or seventh to fourth, whatever it was. So that they jumped up a number. Of spots, they jumped the so. next, so they yeah what, yeah. That, I think it was eighth or anyway. Yeah, so I mean there's. I just want to see them building at this point. I want to see them make, um, adding pieces around Zach. I don't necessarily want to see them trade off Zach Levine. I, if anything, I'd rather see them trade off guys like Kobe and Lowry and, and sort of start adding around Zach. And my the thing that I'm on at the moment is maybe trading for Brad Beal and um, trying to be a smaller gunning team. Like I mentioned Portland before. Like I mean, if the Bulls could be a version of Portland in the Eastern Conference, I'd, I'd take that at this point, given how bad things have been there, you know, the last five to six years. So... I'm hopeful that this new regime starts looking at the trade market as an avenue of improving this team. That's certainly That's something true. that never really happened under, under Garpax. I could count maybe on my hand, one hand, how many trades they made that actually improved the team. Often when they did make trades, it was to salary dumps or to to you know, make the team worse to try to tank, let's say. So uh, I want to see them be a little bit more creative and I want to use, see them actually act like a big market for a change. Uh, yeah. This is Chicago. We, we haven't been relevant for a long damn time. Start acting like a big market and um, start swinging for some of these good players. Uh, so that would be my, the way I'm thinking about it. But I mean, it, it's all variable based depending on how things sort of shake out. We could go a number of ways here. So sure. it's going to be fun and interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to watch it from afar. Um, the Beal thing is fascinating. Man, if they could get that dude without giving up Patrick Williams. <sighs> yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can get it, if you can get Bradley Beal, who has a connection to Billy Donovan, if you yeah. can get him for Kobe White, Larry Markin, and, and maybe a couple of prick, uh, a couple of picks, let's say, and maybe you have to throw in Otto Porter from a contract standpoint, uh, I'm doing that deal. I don't know if the Wizards are, yeah. but um, yeah, no, that's the, the bag I'm on lately. We're 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 again, there's a lot of Nick fans 
uh, who would like for them to, to go all in for, for Beal. And I think you guys are in an advantageous position where you have a few more tradable pieces um, than, than we do right now. And uh, yeah, it's, and, and also I think, but as you said really well, you guys are maybe under the gun a little bit more um, yeah, in terms of, yeah, in yeah. terms of the timing. So I think it, yeah, it would, it probably makes more sense. Um, this was a lot of fun. I really do love talking to people who cover other teams and getting different perspectives because I feel like it makes me a smarter fan. Um, Mark, can you tell folks where, uh, even though I said at the top, can you tell folks where they can find you? Yeah. Look, if, if your listeners have any um, desire to tune into Bulls stuff, they can follow me on Twitter at MK Hoops. Um, I also do a Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Network, Bulls HQ. So that is my uh, podcast that I'm generally getting on every week talking about the Bulls. Um, but if I'm not podcasting, then I'm on Twitter pretty much 24-7 talking about the Bulls. So uh, you can find me at those two, uh, two spots. Uh, I would wish you luck in the game uh, on Wednesday night, but uh, the Knicks need to win. You're lying. You're lying. <laughs> I, I would be lying. They, they've, they've lost five of six, and uh, I, I kind of do not want to. Julius Randle even said after the game, he's like, he's, I think he said the words "must win," which is uh, that's a little early for that, but that's that's okay. I appreciate it, Mark. This was uh, great. Uh, hang on one sec, uh, everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We'll be back with you another one very soon. 